We have been doing this series so far on anger, and this is our fifth episode um, in this series on anger. You can catch the rest of them online on YouTube if you, um, if you missed them. Um, and uh, I'll give you the story so far. So at the very beginning, we were talking about the source of anger and the many different faces of anger, irritation, frustration, annoyance, all of those things are different faces of the same thing. This, the, 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 the people who spent lives examining and studying spiritual life, and they spent their whole life doing this, and they used themselves as an experimental laboratory to figure out what makes us tick and what makes us behave the way we do. They found that, you know what? All of this is all, it's all the same thing, and it's all rooted in a sense of entitlement, in a sense of having a right to something, wanting something, and something interrupting the trajectory between me and the thing that I want. And when some obstacle comes in the way between me and the thing that I want to have, I want to remove that obstacle. I want to, I want to eliminate that obstacle. I want to murder that obstacle. And that led us to the, the, the second talk was about, about how anger is actually murder. And that when I get angry, what I'm doing is, is I'm murdering the thing or the person which stands between me and what I want. In my head, in my heart, I, that person is dead to me. They're blocked. I want nothing to do with them. I'm never going to talk to them again. They cease to exist to me, right? It's, it's murder. But the other person doesn't feel anything, right? Who, whose blood is boiling? Who's lying in bed seething with anger? Who unable to sleep? Who's losing sleep over this? Me. And that this murderous anger actually isn't hurting anybody else out there. It's actually hurting me. And that, and that it's actually so painful to our souls, but we're not aware necessarily of that. But it's so painful to our souls that so often when we get really angry, what we end up having to do is sort of self-medicate with something because we feel so rotten, you know? And so what do we do after we get angry? You know, we do emotional eating or we sleep it off or we, you know, uh, fall into lust or we, you know, go, you know, um, shopping or materialism, right? So you, we usually one of these four things we do to self-medicate the deep, deep pain that we've caused our soul by, by, by murdering my brother in my soul. And so here I am, seething with anger. The other person doesn't even know. And, I'm, and I am the one who's suffering inside due to my own anger. And so the third week, we talked about how one of the most useful things that the, the early church fathers, desert fathers teach us about dealing with anger is recognizing that anger is not, not meant to have been used this way. We're going to talk about how it was meant to be used today, right? And that this kind of anger is unjustifiable. But you don't know what this person said to me, but you don't know how it went down. You're right. I don't know. But I know one thing for sure, that the person who is angry is the person who's harming themselves. And so it doesn't make sense to be justifying the, the reason to hold on to this anger, which is holding, which is hurting me. And the sooner that I can let it go, the sooner I can let it go, the sooner 
I can be free and I can stop the pain in my own soul. And so that was the third week. And last week we talked about how sometimes when we get angry, we can get so angry, we can get out of control. And that one of the earliest therapies for anger is self-control. And we started start speaking a little bit about that last week, about how the damage control might simply be to take a step back, to take a deep breath in, to walk away from the situation um, until we can figure out what we exactly, how we want to approach it based on all this stuff that we've been, that we've been teaching. And so today, we're going to talk about the cure. Last week, we talked about the damage control, what to do in the moment so that you don't rip somebody's head off and then have to spend days apologizing for ripping their head off. So that was last week. This week, we're talking about the cure, the long-term solution. And the cure, my brothers and sisters, my beloved fathers and mothers, the, the desert fathers tell us is gentleness and patience gentleness and patience. Well, good for you, Father John, right? But, you know, you, you just saying those words like that, gentleness and patience, has filled me with all the gentleness and patience and zen I need, and I'm never going to get angry again, right? No, unfortunately not. Unfortunately, it's not that easy. Unfortunately, we're going to have to nurture this gentleness and this patience. And this gentleness and patience, although it can be given to us by God, for the most part, it is a fruit that grows in our souls. And like any fruit, it's got to grow and it grows slowly. And it needs to be nurtured and it needs to be planted and watered and the soil needs to be tended and the leaves that are not necessary need to be pruned. And if we care for the tomato plant properly, it's going to produce big, fat, ripe, juicy tomatoes for us. And if we care for our souls well and properly, they will produce beautiful, sweet, sweet fruits for us. The sweet fruit of gentleness and the sweet fruit of patience. Jesus tells us, that, or, or, or behavioral scientists tell us, let's start with that. Behavioral scientists tell us that the easiest way to learn a new behavior is by modeling. And Jesus, knowing that, says, yes, the easiest thing, the best and easiest way for you to learn this gentleness and this patience is modeling. Why don't you do this? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why does Jesus say that? Why doesn't he say, come to the spa and you will find rest? Why doesn't he say, come to a weekend off and you will find rest? Do you want to know why? I'll tell you why. You know, what, you know who will tell you why? My mother-in-law will tell you why. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law, my parents too, appear out of nowhere sometimes when we, when we need them. They're just wonderful people. God bless them. And so once upon a time, I think, you know, one of us was ill and so on. My, my, my in-laws came to help us out. And my mother-in-law was chasing the children around the house, cooking lunch, this and that. She was just everywhere, right? And so I turned to her and I said to her, thank you, auntie. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for cooking and cleaning and chasing the children and this and that and so on. You know, we've exhausted you. You know what she said to me? She said to me, no, no, no. This kind of exhaustion doesn't exhaust you. Physical exhaustion doesn't exhaust you. It's the exhaustion of the heart. 
It's the exhaustion of the heart. That is what, what is exhausting. That is what is exhausting. And oh, is that true. Oh, is it true. Physical work, hard work, labor is oftentimes actually therapy for the soul. But it's the sickness of the soul that is exhausting. And so Jesus, as the, as the good shepherd, as the, as the good physician, tells us, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is telling us, you want to learn gentleness? Come, learn it from me. I am gentle. I am gentle. I am patient. You wondering how patient God is? Well, all I need to do is review my confessions, you know, right? How many of my confessions are new and novel things? None. They're all old. They're all recycled. They're all time and time again, the same thing over and over. And I get fed up of myself. I remember going to my father's confession in confession and telling him, I'm tired of coming and saying the same things. I think I'm just going to stop. And he says, well, if you do stop, no one thing. You stopped because you were fed up, not because God was or I was. God and I are here to receive you. We're here to receive you anytime, right? So, so be, be, and we find that God is patient with us, maybe more patient with us than we are patient with ourselves. And so let us learn to go to him, to learn from his gentleness. That word gentle that Jesus uses to describe himself can also be understood as mild or meek. In Philippians chapter 4, St. Paul is telling them, let your gentleness be known to all men. Behold, the Lord is at hand. Jesus is here. You don't need to fight. You don't need to stress. You don't need to freak out because Jesus is here. In the fullness of his person, he is present. If he is present, then he's already provided to take care of all things. So don't worry. The word gentleness there could be translated moderation or patience or gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The fathers, if, if we want to have like a cure, a long-term cure for anger, the fathers are telling us that the cure for anger is, is rooted in, 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 in the ideology, in, in where it comes from. We said anger comes from entitlement. I want this. I want this. The desire to consume, right? There's three passions that are really summed up as a desire to consume. Gluttony, I want to eat, I want to eat, I want to eat. Lust, I want sex, sex, sex. And the love of money, I want money, 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 right? It's the desire to consume. It's never enough. And so the fathers are telling us, try as you may to get rid of anger. As long as these three passions are raging wild inside of you, then, you know, the source is still there. If you want to uproot the weed from its roots, we've got to uproot the root, which, the root, which is this desire to obtain, to have more and to get more and so on, right? And so they say that the love of money is actually the most dangerous of all the three. St. John Chrysostom, in a funny way, says, 
says the love of money is the most dangerous of all of these three expressions of covetousness, expressions of this greed to consume. You want to know why? You might think, oh, I thought lust would be like shadier or gluttony is, you know, more base. You know, he says, but the love of money has no end. You can only eat so much and then you got to stop. Like you're going to pop, right? You know, and you can have lots of sex, but eventually you're going to have to stop, right? Like no one can go on forever, right? Or I haven't met them yet, right? And then, but the love of money, the bank account can just keep going and going and going and going and going and going and it will never be enough. And so St. John Chrysostom is telling us to beware of the love of money because it's even more slimy and sneaky of a passion than lust and gluttony. And all three of these need to be uprooted. And what's the, what's the therapy for the love of money? I love money, more money, more money, more money. What's the therapy going to be? Easy. Give it away. Give it away. Almsgiving. Almsgiving. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and give. Give generously. Give to everybody who has a need. Don't question the need. Is the need legitimate? Is it not? Who died and made me the judge of the universe? Just give. Just give to whoever might have a need. Give, not because they need it, because I need it. I'm the greedy miser who doesn't want to let go of my money. Let it go. Let it go. Give it away as therapy for my own soul, not because this person needs it or doesn't need it. Money is oftentimes poisonous. Think of it like hot potato. You know, I'm going to get rid of this before it does me harm. Almsgiving is therapeutic for the love of money. Anyways, these three sins, anger, lust, and love of money, are oftentimes the three legs of the table that anger is based upon. If we can pull those out, if we can pull them out to some degree, if we can start working on those, that will be part of the long-term therapy to conquer anger. The therapy of anger, to sum it up, is to take the anger which I have misdirected against my brother, and now I want to murder my brother, to, to then direct it towards my sin. To take the anger which I directed towards my brother and to direct it towards my passions, my lust, the sickness of my soul. We don't see sin in orthodoxy as like, as moral. You're not a good person or you're a bad person because you sin or you don't sin. You're good because Jesus loves you and he declares you good. And he sees you as good and he completes all that is lacking in you and me in his son, Jesus Christ, and makes us good in his son. In his son, we are good as Jesus is good himself. So it's not about being good, right? It's about being healthy. It's about being healthy. So I have these sicknesses in my soul that are causing me to be angry. This is the real secret. Nobody gets angry because of somebody else. I get angry because of the sickness in my own soul. Anger is like a fever, okay? It's like a symptom. It's a symptom. It's an alarm symptom that something is sick in my soul. So when, when, when somebody has a fever, we give them Tylenol, but that's 
that just brings the fever down. But why do they have a fever? They have a virus, they have a bacterial infection, do, do they have some inflammatory process, they have cancer. What's going on? Why, why, is this, why do they have this fever? We have to ask. We have to see and we have to see what the root cause is and we have to deal with it. I get angry because that person was rude to me, because that person spoke to me like that, because how dare he, because of everybody else. It's everybody else in the world's fault that I get angry and sometimes I can't control it. No. The fathers are telling us, no. No, my beloved brother and sister. No. No. As I uproot, as I uproot the pride and the vainglory out of my heart, somebody is disrespectful for, to, towards me and rude and arrogant, I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them. This week, somebody from our church went to Costco to buy paper for the church, right? And we ran out of paper. So, they were, so, so I sent them to buy paper, like five different kinds of paper. You know, paper for this, paper for that. We print all kinds of different things. We don't do that much printing. It lasts us a couple of years. But in any event, so they went to go out, buy you know, their own grocery shopping and buy us paper. They get to the checkout, get this, they get to the checkout and the, the person at the checkout went off on them, went off on them about how they're destroying the environment and how dare you to be buying all this paper and where'd you get the money to buy all this paper and like the checkout person, literally. I was so proud of this person from our family here at the church, right? This person looked over and looked at them with a big smile on his face and said, are you okay? Are you well? And the person carried on ranting about how this customer was, <laughs> I'm not, this isn't a slag against Costco. You're all gonna shop at Costco anyways, regardless of what I say, right? So there's not, this isn't against Costco. This is, this is, this is, you know, what a strange behavior. If it was me, I would have ripped their head off. I would have complained. I would have this, I would have that. This person did go to the administration. They took their name and they went to the administration. They said, look, this is what happened. You know, I'm not fussed. Like, it doesn't matter. But I don't think this person is well. This is not a normal behavior of a cashier at Costco, right? If somebody's buying all the paper you have on your shelves, usually they just cash you out, you know? This isn't a normal behavior. Somebody go and check on this person. Make sure they're okay. What about you? What about me? What about you? What about me? Pride is the second source, the next source of anger. And the fathers tell us that if we just nurture a little bit of humility in our souls, it will, it will make anger disappear. St. John Chrysostom says, as with the appearance of light, darkness retreats. So the fragrance of humility, with it all anger and bitterness vanishes. Anger and bitterness vanish with humility. You know what? Don't try this in your own soul. Don't try this in your own soul. Don't try this at home. Try this in a conflict with somebody else. Next time somebody is coming at you both guns blazing and they are angry, try humbling yourself before them. The, the Desert Fathers teach us a beautiful line. I use this line all the time. 
forgive me and have patience with me. I'll try to do better next time. What's the person going to say to that? They're coming at you, both guns blazing. And you say, forgive me and have patience with me. I'll try to do better next time. If it's appropriate, pray for me that I might do better next time. What are they going to say? What are they going to say to that? There's nothing they can say to that. Humility, humility, the fire of anger, it pours a bucket of ice on it. Humility just pours a bucket of ice on it, right? It works in interpersonal conflict and it works when we're harboring anger inside of us as well. St. Gregory of Nyssa says, humility is the mother of gentleness of heart. If you close the door to pride, anger will find no entrance. So the next thing, after we talked about uprooting the greedy passions, gluttony, lust, and love of money, the next thing is harboring a little bit of humility and uprooting pride. The next thing we're going to talk about is psalmody. St. Basil the Great tells us that, that prayer nurtures, um, nurtures gentleness in our souls, but nothing does it like psalmody. I can't encourage you enough to come and join us for midnight praises on Saturday nights and sing your heart out. If you're really angry, come and sing your heart out. Oh, the therapy for our souls. Oh, the therapy for our souls. Psalmody, St. Basil tells us, is the most useful form of prayer to nurture within us gentleness and help us to get rid of, of the anger. In Proverbs 12, 28, it says, the roads of those who remember wrongs lead to death. The roads of those who remember wrongs lead to death. It's therapeutic for our souls. We learn gentleness by letting go. Ask yourself this week, here's a challenge. I challenge you this week, every day, to just overlook, let, it, let something slide. Somebody says something a little off color. Somebody says something that should require correction. Somebody does something, let something slide. I'm not telling you not to do your job or not to do it correctly. But sometimes we nitpick the things other people say, the things other people do. Try to let something slide and see how it feels for you. Do a little experiment. Try it out. And the next time somebody does something that's a little off color, take them to town. Get angry with them. Rip their head off. See how that feels. Try a little experiment. What feels better? To overlook it? To just let it go? Just let it go. Or, or to let your anger be fully vented, like we talked about last week. Letting it go comes from what comes from silence. That's the next spiritual practice we'll talk about. Learning to be silent. Try this if you want. Try, try this. Try this just for a day or two. Every time somebody speaks to you, you count to five quietly in your head before answering back. I tried this experiment multiple times. I do this, sometimes I do this during fasts and I just, you know what happens? People figure like they should just keep talking. <laughs> so they ask you a question, you don't answer by 1.5 seconds and they just keep talking. You know, well, we make mistakes when we talk, right? It's a, this is a, a, a great tool in negotiation. It's a great tool when you're trying to get information from somebody else and they're not very forthcoming. Just stand there quietly, you know, 
count to five, and all of a sudden, they just keep talking, right? Well, the person who's talking is much more likely to get agitated than the person who keeps their peace. St. John Climacus, St. John of the Ladder, in step eight of the ladder, tells us, the beginning of freedom from anger is silence of the lips when the heart is agitated. When the heart is agitated, the first step is zip the lips, says St. John Climacus. Abba Dorotheus of Gaza tells us something really, really beautiful on, on the same theme. Let me pull it up for you. Abba Dorotheus says, Is somebody angry? Let him be irritated no longer, but let him acquire gentleness. How? St. John Chrysostom explains, How do we fight anger? By gentleness. We fight then on the opposite side. Gentleness breaks anger, St. John Chrysostom tells us. And they explain to us that, that, that gentleness is not passive. It's very active. Gentleness is this active welcoming of, of whatever comes your way without, without fighting back. Gentleness is a, is, is a certain form of hospitality. Hospitality is not passive. If I come visit you at home and you offer me hospitality, you make me a cup of tea and serve me cookies and this and that, and a lot of thought went into this. You put a lot of effort into it, right? Gentleness is also, gentleness isn't sort of just wishy-washy. No, no, no. Gentleness is a form of hospitality, a form of welcoming other people. What do you have to say to me? It's poisonous? It's okay. I can accept it. Again, all through this series, we've been talking about how there are certain limits to everything. We're not talking about abuse or domestic violence and all of these other things. Those would certainly be, a, a, you know, a, a exceptions to all of what we're, we're talking about. Your garden variety, interpersonal conflict that happens, the things that happen to you at work, at home, with friends, and so on, right? Gentleness is this hospitality. It's very active. Don't think of it as something passive. And the source of, of gentleness, the fathers tell us, is prayer, is fasting, is love, is our own repentance. My own repentance makes me feel that I indeed am a sinner. And so when this person commits a sin against me, this person slanders me, this person is rude to me, this person is, well, what's that? This person did one sin to me. How many thousands of sins did I do against Jesus? I'm going to hold this one thing against you when I have, you know, a, a scroll from here to Japan of sins that I've committed against Christ? Come on now. So repentance, my own repentance, nurtures in me my own remembrance of sin, like St. Anthony teaches us, nurtures in me a gentleness, a willingness to receive, a willingness to accept in. Then, you know, we do this with our children, right? Every now and, our and again, our children have a tantrum. You know, they throw themselves on the floor, start crying and screaming. What do we do as loving parents? We pick them up and they're banging their hands and legs and I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna get punched in the face, like, right? It's gonna happen, right? Because this flailing child. But I pick them up anyways, why? Because I love them. So I receive them, I receive them in to myself. That's a form. Isn't that gentleness from the parent? The parent could, could shout at them, could yell at them, could, could discipline them. It's not the time. It's not the kid is out of their mind. They're out of control like we were talking about last week, right? It's not the time. This isn't a edu key educational moment, 
right? This is the moment to receive them and to bring them in. We can do that with people who are behaving like children, although they're in the body of an adult, right? They're having a tantrum, they're freaking out, they're yelling, they're shouting. We can, we can also have that gentleness to receive them with that spirit of hospitality. But it comes, that strength of soul comes from prayer, from fasting, from repentance, all the stuff the church has been teaching us all along. It nurtures in us that gentleness. Proverbs 14.30 says, A gentle man is the physician of the heart. Indeed, indeed, a true and real spiritual father is always a gentle person, always ready to receive, ready to receive whatever would come their way. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. The word meek and gentle are almost used. It's the same word translated differently to do two different English words, for they shall inherit the earth. This meekness, this ability to receive everything from everyone is what Jesus tells us is this is, this is the quality that gives you to inherit the whole earth. Because you're not rejecting anything. You're receiving everything. St. John Climacus of the Ladder, again in, in, in step eight, says, Let tyrant anger be bound by meekness and beaten out by patience. Look at the words that he uses. He uses these violent and aggressive words about gentleness and patience, that gentleness binds anger and patience beats it out of our souls. St. John Cassian went to Egypt to learn monasticism, and he was actually discipled by Abba Moses, our patron saint, and then he went back to Europe to begin monasticism in Europe. And he says in his conferences, chapter 6, he says, Better is he who is patient than one who is strong, and one who restrains in his anger than one who captures a city. Quoting from Proverbs 12. This patience is this calmness and enduring. Jesus says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. We think that the person who's going to conquer sin and conquer temptation and conquers the person who's going to, they're going to fight and they're going to win and so on. Jesus tells us, no, he who endures to the end shall be saved. And later on, he tells us, by your patience, possess your souls. You know what St. Isaac says? I'm going to finish with this. I had more to share with you, but I'm going to finish with this. St. Isaac says, patience is stronger than joy. Patience is stronger than joy. Both of them are virtues. Both of them are virtues. But St. Isaac the Syrian tells us that patience is stronger than joy. Can you imagine, pause for a minute, close your eyes if you want to. I like doing this. Imagine yourself being the picture of gentleness and patience. Imagine yourself in your home. Imagine yourself in your work or at school. Imagine yourself wherever you are being this picture of patience and gentleness. What does that look like? Isn't it worth it to start working on that now? To start nurturing those virtues in your soul now. But don't stop there. 
if you're not getting disoriented with your eyes being closed for this long, imagine everybody else in your home or in your school or at your workplace or whatever, having that same patience and gentleness. What would that look like? What would that look like? Imagine if everyone had a breadth of spirit, a breadth of spirit, to open their hearts wide and be willing to receive others into them with gentleness and patience, what would that look like? That looks to me like the kingdom of heaven. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.